0: Welcome to this episode of my podcast series The View From My Middle Finger where I look at the world through the many social media platforms. This is The View Through My Middle Finger where your opinion matters but The View always looks different from my middle finger.
1: Social influence.
0: The process of changing laws or rules by which we all live by has always happened throughout history. However, lately it appears that changes to social expectations are also driven through changes to laws and rules at an ever increasing rate. Most people in society would agree with changes that benefit the majority and would also be in support of changes to benefit the minority and special interest groups. However, in a democracy, we are taught that change should be validated within the democratic system. In this episode of The View from My Middle Finger, we will look at what democracy means. We will highlight examples of society or societal changes that may not necessarily agree with the majority and try to understand why these changes have been made and who they benefit. Let's start with democracy. As a method of governing, most countries in the West rely on this form of government to keep order and to provide its citizens with an opportunity to decide who should lead them, with most countries holding elections every three to four years. In this educational grab from the internet, we have decided to keep it simple. And when I say simple, I mean really simple, so we can all understand what it is to live in a democracy.
2: What is democracy for kids? Hey kids, have you ever asked yourself, what is democracy? You may have heard that term democracy. You may have also learned that the system of government that we have in the United States is called a democracy, and that being a democracy is an integral part of what makes the U.S. such a special place to live. But why? Why is being a democracy so special? And how exactly do democracies work? Well, think about it this way. Let's say you and your friends are hanging out on a Saturday morning, trying to decide what to do that day. Maybe someone wants to play soccer, and someone wants to play a board game. And perhaps a third friend suggests playing tag or diving into a board game. And maybe a fourth friend really wants to go to the mall. How do you decide what to do? Well, you could all discuss your options and come to a group decision. In that case, everyone would have a say, and the group would come to an agreement. That way, figuring out what to do is not just one person's decision, but everyone's. That's only fair, right? That's kind of how democracy works. In a democracy, the government is run by the people. The people who serve in the government are elected by a majority of the citizens, based on who they think are the best people to run the country. In addition to the president, the representatives of Congress and the senators who are elected members of the national government, there are also many, many local elections in which citizens of towns, cities, states, and communities elect mayors, state representatives, council members, governors, judges, sheriffs, and others. In all democracies, there are free elections. This means everyone gets a secret vote, meaning they're free to vote for whoever or whatever is on the ballot or even write someone else in without interference from elected officials. In the United States, you must be 18 years old to vote. Democracies also feature something called majority rule. In majority rule, whoever gets the most votes wins. When representatives do the voting, whichever group gets the majority wins. Majority means more than 50% or half of the votes. In the United States system of government, Representatives are not allowed to vote to change our individual rights. We have the freedom of religion, for example, so representatives can't vote to change that or other personal freedoms in our Constitution. Most democracies also have term limits, meaning someone can't rule forever. The U.S. president can only serve for two terms. In some states, there are other rules about how long people can serve. Also, in a healthy democracy, every elected official is bound by something called checks and balances, meaning they can't abuse power because others in the government are making sure they don't. Finally, every democracy is made up of citizens. For a democracy to thrive and be successful, the citizens who live there must be willing to do their part, which means they get involved speak out, and most importantly, vote. They need to know who they are voting for, understand the issues, and voice their opinions. In this way, whatever is in the best interest of the people will be reflected in the people elected. So, in summary, why is democracy so great? Generally, people who live in a democracy have more freedom and rights than in countries that are not democracies. People in democracies usually have a higher standard of living, are better protected and have the type of society they prefer. Of course, not everyone will always be happy with the decisions made in a democracy. And it's up to everyone to continue to try to improve the society by being informed and voting for the people they think will serve them best. When an election rolls around, people get a new chance to vote for the people they want to lead the country. Nobody should take democracy for granted. There are always some people who would prefer to have all the power for themselves. It's up to all of us, including you, to make sure democracy thrives, remains healthy, and continues long into the future
0: i think we all need to be reminded that another job of the elected government is to write or rewrite laws this is after all a task for which elected representatives are responsible for and let's face it we don't always agree with these laws and in the past there have been many laws that may have been written years ago that have no place today and yet are still valid here are some quite strange laws from around the world that is difficult to reconcile just imagine how having to
3: enforce some of these following laws. Thinking about taking a bath with a donkey? Fancy getting drunk in a British pub? Well think again, as these potentially harmless activities and many more could well land you in trouble with the long arm of the law. Laws of the land that may have made sense when first brought about have a habit of sticking around even if they have no real place in today's society. Add to those antiquated laws a few newer bizarre rules of the land that have found their way into the law books, and we have a truly bizarre set of world legislation. So what are some of the strangest laws that still remain on the books around the world? That's what we'll find out in this episode of the Infographic Show, Strange Laws That Still Exist. Great Britain has some of the strangest laws in the world, some of which are broken every day. It is illegal, for example, to be drunk in a pub in the UK. How many thousands of Brits break that law every single day? It is also illegal to carry a plank of wood along the pavement, especially, one would imagine, after getting drunk in the pub. Not quite so bizarre is the stipulation that members of parliament in jolly old England are not allowed to wear a suit of armor in parliament. But surely this law should have been updated by the lawmakers themselves while in parliament, no? It is also highly illegal to handle a salmon in suspicious circumstances in England and Wales. And if there is an unsuspicious way to handle freshwater fish out of water, we'd love to see it. It's also an offense to beat or shake a carpet or rug, except if it's a doormat, before 8am, in the UK. And if you're an Englander, forget about dining on exotic waterfowl. Unless you happen to be the Queen of England, it is illegal to eat a swan. Should you be pregnant in Britain, it is perfectly legal to spend a penny in a policeman's hat, or in fact, anywhere else should it be an emergency. And on a similar note, and on the subject of toilets, up in Scotland, if somebody knocks on your door asking to use the bog, you must, by law, let them inside and offer your bathroom. Also in Scotland, that bizarrely colorful land of haggis and bagpipes, there may be more to that folktale about Scotsmen and their kilts. Ever wondered what exactly is beneath the famous tartan kilt? Well, according to ancient legend, nothing. No underwear can be worn under the kilt, and according to an old law – or perhaps to be fair, urban legend – if a Scotsman is found to be wearing underwear beneath his kilt, then he is routinely charged two beers by whoever discovered his non-commando status. Although we can't confirm the exact legal standing of this law, it is too difficult to resist sharing. The USA also has its fair share of quirky laws. In Arizona, allowing your pet donkey to sleep in the bathtub is against the law. Placing salt on a railway track is an offense punishable by the death penalty in Birmingham. At first glance this seems a tad harsh, but the reason is that the train could either derail or attract cattle onto the track, which could also result in a major derailment or at least a delay. So don't go putting salt on the rails, kids. It's also against the law to play a game of frisbee without first acquiring the permission of a lifeguard in Los Angeles, although responsible frisbee throwing is, we are told, permitted. Who can blame the city with all those lawsuits flying around? And what happened to the chicken who crossed the road in Georgia? Its owner got arrested. It is against the law to let your chickens roam around unattended in this state. In Hawaii, it is illegal to work at the same company as your twin brother or sister. We guess this law is in place to avoid workplace confusion as to who is doing what and who has taken the day off. And dog lovers, beware. Unless you have four legs and a tail that wags, it's illegal to live in a dog kennel in Idaho bringing a whole new meaning to sleeping in the doghouse. Perhaps stranger than all of these laws, though, is the law in Vermont whereby women who want false teeth are required, by law, to first obtain permission from their husband. Quite why this law still exists is totally baffling to us here at the infographic Show. Perhaps someone can explain this one to us. And then there's the strange legal world of mainland Europe. In Greece, it is illegal to go sightseeing around the ancient ruins, wearing high heels and in France, it is illegal to name your pet pig Napoleon. In Rome, Italy, keeping a lone goldfish in a fishbowl is considered animal cruelty and is against the law, but if you have more than one in the bowl, that is considered acceptable because, we all know, fish are sociable creatures. Kids in parts of Poland are not allowed to travel outside the house with any Winnie the Pooh memorabilia, including t-shirts, backpacks, or lunchboxes. The cartoon character is considered a non-gender-specific, inappropriate hermaphrodite without having the decency to wear a pair of pants, and the Poles, for some reason, find Winnie's lack of genitalia offensive. This one isn't exactly an ancient law, but was simply too brilliant to leave out of our study of quirky laws. In the Cambodian capital of Phnom Penh, the sale and importation of water pistols is prohibited during New Year festivities, the reason being that a popular way to enjoy the New Year in this part of the world is to take part in a huge water fight, and that, Governor Chae Sofara reckons, may lead to social unrest. In Thailand, it is illegal to step on money, and it is also illegal to leave home without wearing underwear. It is also illegal to hold your hand out in tribute to the Hunger Games, or to publicly criticize a fellow countryman. In parts of India, if a man is in debt, he can legally offer his wife as a down payment until the debt is settled. In Japan, it is illegal to be fat, with the government setting a maximum waistline of 33.5 inches for men and 35.5 inches for women. In China, Buddhist monks are banned from reincarnating unless they have specific government permission. Yes, Asia is a wacky place. In Samoa, it is illegal to forget your wife's birthday. In Australia, it is against the law to disrupt a wedding, an act that is punishable by a fine of $10,000. All in all, across the world, while laws are there to help protect us and keep society functioning as a moral and ethical place, some of the decisions made by lawmakers will keep on baffling us as long as old laws remain and new bizarre rules come into being. Crazy laws and who think these laws were drafted and agreed to
0: by elected officials. These are officials that you entrusted to use common sense and fairness. Before we look at some more recent laws that have been enacted by our politicians, I'd like to take this moment to understand what may influence lawmakers to consider changing a law or introducing new laws that we all need to follow. Increasingly, lawmakers are influenced by society through social media. The great thing about social media is that small minority interest groups get to have a say and can be promoted using social media Or is that such a good idea? I mean to say, what if some of the views of these interest groups are not the views of the larger majority? However, due to the amplification through social media, lawmakers decide that a law must change or a new law be introduced. Then how does this affect the majority? In this next example, we will focus on education. Education is an important area as it guides and influences our children. In most education systems, the curriculum is set with oversight by a board or group of people charged with the responsibility to review the material which is to be taught. So when we came across the following piece from the internet, I have to say, what the hell happened? I mean, where are the people on the board? Were they asleep at the time? The material was presented? Or could it be that the oversight committee agreed with this and saw this as something that was progressive and acceptable in this grab from the internet we find a state politician in australia was asked to refer to a constituent's question on homework given to his 10 year old daughter before i play this i must warn that the following grab may be off-putting to some or should i say most listeners I wish to
4: raise a matter this afternoon for the attention of the Minister for Education. And I have to say, it is not often in this job I am absolutely shocked. I thought I'd I'd seen everything, Uh, but this one um, is is, uh, just just beyond words. Uh, It is a a note from a constituent who says, hi, Bernie, this is a worksheet that my 10-year-old daughter brought home from school, and it includes a photo of the worksheet. Part of her homework was to discuss with her father his erections and ejaculation. I find this very disturbing and sickening, as indeed do I, I have to say. I have complained to the school and was told it was just part of the curriculum. Can you advise who else I should make a complaint to? Well, I could go on for days uh, who, who, who she could complain to. My daughter still plays with dolls and writes letters to the tooth fairy. There is no way any little girl should be told to ask these questions. Well, so say all of us. What the hell is going on in this state when 10-year-old girls are told to go home and talk to your father about his erections and about his ejaculations? What the hell is going on here? How the hell are we supposed to protect our kids when this sort of perversion is in our schools? This is what is being dished up to them on a daily basis, in a primary school. Not even a secondary school, a primary school. This is just unbelievable. It's staggering. I could not imagine the reaction, I have three daughters, I could not imagine the reaction of any of them if they were told to, to, to do that. They would be traumatised for life. I don't think they'd ever recover. I'm not sure I'd ever recover. This is, this is just deplorable. This is just deplorable. And it seems to me to be a part of the ongoing war by the Andrews government against children, in particular, in this state. Let kids be kids. A 10 year old girl should not be exposed to this sort of material. I think think it is deplorable, it is deplorable. And I challenge anybody, anybody, just ask yourselves here tonight, would you be happy if you had a 10 year old and she was told to go home to talk to her dad about his ejaculation and his erections? Would you be happy with that? Would you be relaxed about that? My God, I wouldn't be. I'd be horrified. Indeed, we should all be horrified. So I asked, the minister, I asked the Minister to conduct an urgent investigation to remove this material and ensure that no other child is put in the situation that this poor 10-year-old little girl has been put into at this point.
0: Now, I'm not sure if you agree with this type of homework being sent home with a 10-year-old girl. I'll leave that up to you to debate and to work through in your own mind. I would like to refer to mainstream media for which none had picked up or discussed this or even mentioned it. In fact, if it were not for the internet, it may never have seen the light of day. Sports is another area of conjecture right now. Laws have been changed at the elite level to allow transgender athletes to compete against biological women. This has raised the debate as to whether transgender women have an unfair advantage. Several biological women have spoken out on the internet about this subject.
1: Madison Kenyon is a college track athlete who also competed against biological males. She joins me now to share her story along with her attorney, Kristen Wagoner, Thank you both for being with us. I should say that while Leah Thomas hasn't had gender-affirming surgery, he did have a year's worth of, I believe, hormonal treatment, which is what the NCAA requires in many situations. But Madison, it doesn't change the biological fact that he's a man. He went through puberty as a man. He has muscle structure and, 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 and everything through 22 years of his life as a man. And Madison, you've competed against this exact situation in track. You've competed against transgender athletes.
2: Yeah, it's extremely deflating. I've experienced it five times and each time I lost to a biological male. And the fact that that's still happening, that women are still losing to biological males in their own sport shows why we need more female athletes to speak up about this. And so I just kinda wanna say to the female athletes in Pennsylvania, don't let anyone silence you.
5: Those lights likely felt a whole lot brighter when Laurel Hubbard stepped out to lift.
1: First attempt,
5: Laurel Hubbard, New Zealand. Hubbard is the first transgender woman to compete at the Olympics, and her participation has been contentious.
3: The IOC stance is to make sure we get the right balance between inclusion and then fairness and safety.
5: Her competitors didn't want to speak about it. What do you think it means to have the first transgender athlete compete at these games? I personally like won't say anything about that because like I know it's it's a big issue going around about it.
0: The debate around the changes to the laws on elite sports allowing transgender women to compete with elite biological females is centered around advantages that transgender athletes may have, so we sought a conclusive analysis from an LGBT doctor we found on the internet.
1: I also have multiple trans friends, we're all simply human beings, but we can also step back and look at the equality and fairness of transgender women competing with cisgender women in sports that are specifically geared towards competitive settings where prizes are on the line.
5: And while it was a state race, their wins are making national headlines, not because of what they did, but because of who they are.
1: We have to dive into the science, so the doctor and me is gonna come out. Starting from the very beginning, a fetus with XY chromosomes, which is for a male, will produce and be exposed to higher levels of testosterone from the jump. Now. When a baby is delivered and born, they're either male, female, or intersex, which is a different conversation. Interestingly, studies show that before puberty, naturally, boys and girls have very similar athletic abilities. There's not a huge difference. This is most likely why it's common to see co-ed sport leagues for young kids, like a soccer league, for example, Boys and girls playing together. But all of this changes when males gain a large biological advantage in terms of athletic abilities during puberty. Males experience a massive increase in a hormone called testosterone.
5: During male puberty, testosterone drives the development of bigger muscles, with more fast twitching fibers.
1: During puberty, males have a 20-fold increase in testosterone levels. This is on average 15 times higher than testosterone levels in females. Now, testosterone creates many changes in the male adolescent body. Common changes you might associate with puberty are like your voice deepening, growing body hair, growing in height, and testosterone also behind the scene give many athletic advantages throughout the entire body. Things regulated include bone mass, fat distribution, muscle masses, and red blood cell concentrations, which carry oxygen throughout the body, attributes like larger skeletal structures, larger muscles, increased cardiovascular and respiratory functions, as well as higher power to weight ratios, gives cisgender males more natural athletic abilities. And these differences in cisgender women and cisgender men create differences in both non-elite calibers as well as elite sporting competitions. There are natural differences between each sex. This table shows the magnitude of physiological differences between untrained or moderately trained males with females as the reference value. So on average, males have 45% more lean body mass, 33% more lower muscle mass, and 40% more upper body muscle mass. Men naturally have more muscle strength, longer bone lengths, like in your arms and legs, 83% more force in their tendons, and as we briefly mentioned earlier, increased respiratory and lung functions as well as enhanced cardiac function. So whether you're an Olympic track star or you're someone who's learning basketball for the first time, once puberty comes, males generally innately have a natural biological advantage. That's not to say that there are not incredible female athletes. There absolutely are. An elite female athlete can definitely outperform most non-elite male athletes. Like, I'm sure there's a female in every single sport out there that could kick my butt in something. <laughs> because I'm not an elite athlete by any means in any realm. Like I'm good at sports and I'm athletic, but I'm also not professional. But when we compare males to females in similar calibers, so non-elite arenas and elite arenas, males naturally and on average, not always, outperform females because of biological differences, which is why males and females typically compete in separate sporting events. Males just naturally have an athletic advantage based on their development. And this is really why by the time of middle school, like 11 years old, typically we see sports go off into separate genders, as I said. That is simply the cold hard truth, so that there are equal playing grounds for people in their respected sport. And then when do boys typically start playing American football where you use a lot of force and muscle and strength? Typically around the age that puberty starts. I mean, there are people who start earlier. I was not a football kid, I was too big of a noob. (laughs) but it has to do with how we evolutionarily transform as humans. Now, this fascinating study that just came out at the time I'm making this video looked at the differences and advantages that males have to females in specific sports, and what I think is interesting is that some sports, males had naturally more of an advantage than others. For example, males have a much higher baseline advantage in activities like weightlifting, pitching a baseball, or performing a field hockey drag flick. And even think about it softball, which is primarily played by females. They throw the underhand ball, whereas in baseball, men throw it overhand. On the other hand, according to the study, men are still biologically advantaged in sports like rowing, swimming, and track running, although the difference isn't as drastic. Still though, 10 to 13 percent still makes a notable difference. When looking at elite male athletes versus elite female athletes, adolescent schoolboys outperformed elite female adult athletes so kids who are just going through puberty boys specifically can outperform grown women there are just innate biological differences that go back to everything we were talking about that happens throughout the body as testosterone booms once puberty hits and a lot of that has to do with the fact that women do not receive nearly as much testosterone that men do that create the physical differences okay let's switch over to transgender females specifically so like i said we're going to be respectful but also look at the science and evidence. So to do this we have to look at what physical and biological changes happen when a cisgender male transitions to a transgender female. This male to female transition entails going on something called testosterone suppression. So studies look at how athletic performance is altered after at least 12 months that a trans woman has gone through testosterone suppression because that's typically the minimum cutoff for trans women to compete back in competitive sports with cisgender females. Studies show that after a year of testosterone suppression when transitioning there is a degree of physical advantages that do slightly decrease. An example is after a year transgender women will typically have less of a thigh muscle mass. There are subtle differences and advantages that are lost when you transition but there are also many biophysical aspects to someone who's gone through puberty that do not change when you transition from male to female. If a transgender female doesn't go through testosterone suppression before puberty, then they're going to have a lot of experiences that a cisgender female will have not gone through. So you're going to have larger bones on average. You're going to have more muscle mass. It does go down a little bit with testosterone suppression, but in general, the baseline is still higher.
5: You're not going to be able to get rid of the male puberty that they've gone through, the fact that they have male biology. So even by reducing testosterone for one year, it's still not going to level the playing field.
0: The scientific explanation may go some way to explaining my research on the internet and why I was able to find many references to transgender women competing in elite female sports, and yet I was unable to find any reference to transgender males competing in male elite sports. Ah, There was once a time where you could light the barbecue, invite some friends around, have a few cold beers, and discuss everything from politics, sports, and just state your own opinion on a particular topic. With the invent of social media, people now use social media as a virtual barbecue or get together where they can express their opinions on various topics shared in a group chat. So what's wrong with that? Well, perhaps there's a lot wrong with that, especially if you're looking for a job or looking to keep your job.
4: Before you go and post anything online, you wanna make sure that you're careful about it because 70% of all employers say that they actually screen their candidates before they even hire them. When it comes to controversial topics, Strankowski says it's best to steer clear of posting or commenting on them.
2: If you're going through the interview process, you never know how somebody might interpret that.
4: And remember, just because you landed the job, you should still be careful what you post online. 34% of employers say that they found content on their employees' social media sites that they had to fire them over. For The Now, I'm Annie Taylor.
0: In some countries of the world, there are laws to protect you from being dismissed for what you say or do external to the company you work for. However, there are still many countries where the employer can dismiss you because of something that you've said on social media. More and more employers monitor social media posts of their employees, which means that if you express an opinion that the employer does not agree with, they may have the power to dismiss you.
1: Can you post on social media without getting fired? generally california employees are protected where their posts involve three main areas political activity complaints to other employees about working conditions or posts about lawful off-duty conduct if your posts fall into one of these three categories you're probably okay but and this is a big freaking but that won't protect you if your posts violate some company policy grounded in legitimate business interests so don't post anything that harms your employer's business. Don't offend your employer's clients. Don't post anything harassing, offensive, or threatening. So, that's it, know your rights.
0: Here is another example of an employee being fired for a social media post. Okay, you on social
4: media, listen up. A BC man says he was fired from his job for complaining on social media about the holiday gift from his boss. Hussein Mahedli posted a photo of his holiday barbecue sauce saying, what kind of multi-billion dollar company gifts its Canadian employees barbecue sauce as a holiday gift? Well, despite posting this tweet from his anonymous Twitter account, he was called in for a meeting and fired on the spot by his boss.
0: Hang on a minute. sir. So let me understand this one. Here is a guy who goes to the length of disguising his profile, tweeting something about a stingy boss and a bottle of barbecue sauce for a gift. And even though it was meant to be anonymous, the company found out and sacked him. Mmm, I can just imagine it now. The company must have undertaken an interrogation with every employee. And I guess the guy cracked under the pressure. We have a leaked audio grab of the interrogation. Who You smell that, DeMarco? Yeah, it's a big fat piece of dog crap.
3: I'm sorry, what? I've been in this room for two hours and no one will tell me what I did. Shut up, punk. You know what you did?
4: I can't even look at you. You disgust me.
3: Put you away for a very long time.
0: We're on your
4: side. Just help us understand why you said what you said.
0: Well, I guess it just goes to show that you can treat social media like you do a family get-together, hanging out at the bar or a family friend's barbecue. So it's all good, but just don't express your opinion on social media. Turning back to democracy for a moment and the influence on the democratic system by social media platforms ushers in a new wave of discussion. This focuses on just how much are people influenced by what they see and the information shared through social media and how that may influence outcomes of such things as elections or voting on changes to laws. One relatively recent event was Brexit in the UK. For those not aware of this, it related to the vote vote taken for the UK to leave the European Union, which as we know resulted in the UK leaving. Here is the take from a UK university professor on the topic.
5: The paper is um, a study of almost three years of Twitter conversations um, around Brexit, which I um, got from the Twitter API, so that's over 9 million tweets. And the kind of the key driver of this, what we're trying to find out, is um, how do the two sides, the the levers and the remainers on Twitter, how do they interact with each other, um, and how might this make the people on Twitter more susceptible to disinformation that aims to divide around political topics like Brexit? When people are part of a tribe and, and they they are compelled to be hostile towards their opponent, there's a there's quite a strong incentive to to share pieces of content, you know that kind of can help them to get one up to score points against that opposing side. And I think a lot of times that happens, people share without even really thinking or analyzing the content. I know I've done it myself. You know, I think we've all tweeted or shared something based only on the title. And if that resonates with our worldview and you know fits into how we see the world, then we can just share it so quickly that we don't really have time to dig into whether it's actually true or not. And that's, a, that's one reason why I think that fact checking efforts um, might not be as effective as we would hope because of this whole knee jerk reaction and this, this, this kind of um, compulsion to use content as a way to attack the other side, whether it, whether it's true or, or not.
0: As I do at the end of each of my podcasts, I withdraw my middle finger and dial down the sarcasm and let me increase the level of sincerity. In this episode, we looked at democracy and how social media influences certain aspects of the democratic system. How laws are amended and introduced based on the influence of social media and the people who use them. The question remains, does the influence of social media impact and coerces how we are governed and if so, what does it mean for the future? We found that increasingly social media impacted both our personal and working lives and if not managed, with a degree of awareness, then the possible consequences may lead to undesirable outcomes. Whether we agree with how social media impacts us, whether we feel that in some ways our ability to make our opinions known is limited, it is happening and we should be aware of it. For the moment I will continue to use my middle finger to express my opinion and share with my listeners my views and the views of many on the internet. I'm your host Digaf, and this has been been The View from My Middle Finger. You can listen to my podcast episodes on Spotify, Amazon, Apple, and wherever good podcasts are found. You can also check out our website. Just search for tvfmmf.com. And you can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com tvfmmfinger. And remember, if you don't like The View from My Middle Finger, too bad, try your own.